Well, hello there, and welcome back to the Thai Expat Daily Show. I'm your host, Kira Mack, as always, and delighted you've been able to tune in with us yet again today. Now, before we do get started, don't forget to like that video, subscribe to the channel, and give us an old share if you get a chance. And if you like listening to us on podcast players, just go down to the link in the description, and there is a vast array of players that you can choose to subscribe to the channel from. So now that that's all said and done, we are going to get into our top five stories on Thailand today and the first one is coming out of the Bangkok Post and it's about the uh, lobby group says tourism must be a priority. The Thai Hotel Association has urged the next government to prioritize the tourism industry as a key economic driver addressing the labor shortage, low level of fuel and security as well as sustainability. Marisa Sukasal, the THA president, said Thai tourism workers are in high demand in many countries where the industry has revived including spa therapists and cruise workers as many of them relocated for new jobs. The situation amplified the labour shortage following the two-year pandemic shutdown, which causes a number of tourism workers to return to their hometowns permanently. Another challenge is the agreement with Saudi Arabia to allocate Thai workers to the Middle Eastern country, which seeks manpower from Thailand to fill vacancies in the hospitality sector. Hotels in major provinces are now competing for both skilled and unskilled labour, said Miss Marisa. As Thailand becomes an aged society with a low birth rate, the industry will likely face an ongoing shortage. She said that Thailand ranked poorly for safety and security as well as environmental sustainability in the World Economic Forum Travel and Tourism Development Index in 2021. The nation ranked 92nd and 97th respectively, although its overall position was 36 thanks to high marks for infrastructure and price competitiveness. The tourism sector could create an economic multiplier for society at every level, particularly grassroots. We need the new government to prioritise this industry and integrate related work from different ministries to speed up the development process, said Miss Marisa during the Economic Drives Forum on Thursday, which gathered candidates for Prime Minister and representatives from political parties. In terms of sustainability, she recommended tax cuts and incentives for certified green hotels and green regulations across the whole supply chain. For example, Singapore provides a sustainability roadmap requiring 60% of hotel rooms to achieve sustainable standards by 2025. Napas Parahipaya, Chief Marketing Officer at Bumrungrad International Hospital, said Thailand had the potential to be a medical and wellness tourism hub, but challenges remain in terms of value. Thailand attracted more than 3.5 million tourists for those services in 2019, four times higher than Singapore, which tallied 850,000 visitors. However, Thailand generated only 43 billion baht that year, 19% higher than Singapore. Ms. Napath said the country must pivot to high-value industries, offering more services in, in addition to medical checkups such as intensity care, customized care and longevity care packages in order to gain higher margins. So quite an interesting article here in the Bangkok Post, but there's a lot of things that I think are fundamentally missing from all of this. And although the Thai Hotel Association have a certain expertise, they are a lobby group as such, so they're looking out for their own self-interest. So let's call out the THA in some of what they've said. So they're talking about labor shortages and competing with the likes of, you know, other countries around the world, you know, in terms of hotel workers. So they need to ask themselves a fundamental question. Why would Thai hotel workers go abroad to work? What would be the attraction to go, say, let's say, work in Dubai or Abu Dhabi or 
the Maldives or work on a cruise ship or go somewhere, you know, let's say Korea or somewhere like that to work in the hospitality industry. What, what, what would, you know, take a Thai person from their hometown to somewhere abroad like that? And fundamentally, it comes down to one thing, pay, salary, and what you're receiving on a day-to-day basis. The Thai industry relies solely on service charge to attract individuals into the industry. And service charge is based on how busy you are as a hotel, basically. And that's paid by us guests who go to the hotel. Because their entry salary into these positions, such as, let's say, a roommate, a waiter, a waitress, even a spa therapist, is pitiful. For a standard entry-level job in a hotel, they will pay about approximately 12,000 Thai baht. That's what they're paying. Before you get service charge, maybe even some hotels don't give service charge, so that's what they are paying people. And they're confused why there's a labor shortage and why people are heading abroad. They're heading abroad to make more money so that they can support their families. And if the Thai Hotel Association are unable to figure that out, then I suggest maybe it's time to enter a new career, shut up shop, and, you know, get on with it. Because clearly, that is one of the biggest issues. Thai people want to earn a decent salary on top of the service charge. The service charge should not be what brings people into the industry. It should be the quality of work, the quality of training, the quality of hotel benefits to these staff, and their monthly salary. As I said, hotels depend, many hotels depend on service charge to pay staff. But yet they're confused why people are going abroad and looking to get paid somewhere else and make a better salary. Absolutely ridiculous. Now, then also they talk about sustainability in the industry and uh, kind of the green sustainability. Look, a lot of what hotels do in this country is stuff that's on the surface. If you dig deeper into their practices and their projects, you'll find very little substance to it. It's all for show. And if the government and if the Thai Hotels Association want things to be better, then yes, they actually need to bring in actual rules and regulations surrounding green sustainability in the hospitality industry. But they're not doing that. There are no rules and regulations in this country in relation to it. So if they want the government to, you know, give grants and subsidies, then they need to create rules, regulations, and have people actually inspecting these properties. That's just my two cents on the whole issue. I wonder what you guys think. And I'd love to know your comments in relation to this whole article down below in the comment section. Now we'll move along to the next story, which when I read it, kind of, I was a bit thrown off by the topic, but or the headline, but the highlight, the headline reads, Thai government to increase capacity in four airports, 200 million arrivals by 2031, which by my calculation is not actually that far away. International Air Transport Association predictions that there will be roughly 200 million foreign arrivals in Thailand in 2031. The government of Thailand is taking steps to upgrade at least four of its international airports to accommodate a projected increase in foreign tourist traffic. Despite the current tourist numbers being around half of the average arrival numbers of 2019, the government is confident the tourists will start returning and says they expect 80 million tourists per year by 2027, double the total arrivals in 2019, the last year before the pandemic, and by the way, more than the actual population of the country. Deputy Government Spokesman Tarasukal Tasaranakal, the Civil Aviation Authority of Thailand, has 
predicted that the number of foreign arrivals will reach pre-COVID levels by 2024, prompting the need for the expansion of these airports. This is also in line with the International Air Transport Association's prediction that there will be roughly 200 million foreign arrivals in 2031 to Thailand. The four major airport expansion projects are as follows. Phuket International Airport Phase 2. The goal of this project will be to increase passenger capacity from 12.5 million to 18 million per annum. This will be accomplished through the expansion of the international terminal, aircraft hangars and basic infrastructure. Now, Don Muang International Airport Phase 3, approved by the Cabinet in November of last year. The construction of the third terminal, runway, aircraft hangar and warehouse building is set to begin this year and will increase, uh, will be completed by 2029. The airport will also see upgrades to basic facilities such as car parks, roads and drainage systems. Upon completion, the airport will be able to accommodate 40 million passengers per year, up from the current 30. Now, the expansion of the Utapo International Airport in Rayong. This expansion will occur in four phases and will conclude in 2055. God knows we'll all still be here by 2055. And by the time it's all finished, they're hoping to be able to bring in... uh, 60 million passengers by 2025 but the first phase is set to be completed next year and it will allow 16 million passengers per year swanaboom international airport phase two the construction of the satellite airport terminal has been completed and the transport ministry will begin using the new terminal this year increasing the airport's capacity from 45 million to 60 million the airport is also building a third runway, which is due to be completed by uh, next year, and that will allow Thailand to receive 94 flights per hour up from its current 68. Now, this is the numbers that they are basically predicting over the next few years. Now, 200 million by 2031. I reckon that's just like picking any number out of a hat and let's see, the higher it is, the better it will be. Now, the population of Thailand is roughly 66 million. So by 2031, they believe they're going to be having three times the population of Thailand visiting each and every year. To me, that sounds absolutely nuts. And as an expat who lives in Thailand, is this, if this is the plan for Thailand by the government, then I think it's time to start thinking in the next couple of years, we need to move because it certainly won't be a comfortable place to be living in. And I'm sure with 200 million people here, you certainly will be thinking Thailand will have lost its charm. I mean, it can barely deal with what it has at the moment. And in order for things, like 200 million tourists be visiting by 2031 you would have to do some serious work on your infrastructure in the country roads safety airport more hotels more accommodation just a a few things you know i mean an island like phuket would have to actually have a limit on how many people would be allowed on it at any one time i mean these numbers are just not realistic and certainly not sustainable now remember everybody that this was the government during COVID who spoke about sustainable tourism not relying on you know huge amounts of tourists to you know kind of fund the country to bring business to it that they were going to reduce the number of people coming because they needed you know to have less quantity but more quality spending more money i think do we remember all this i mean they've gone now and basically done a 180 on it and it's how many people it doesn't matter how many people we can come in but i don't think thai people would be as thrilled to know that this is what the government's plan is for the future too and as an expat living here i don't think it's any way appropriate or sustainable 
to be considering that. It would just have an absolute negative impact on a lot of people's lives. I mean, it's bad enough in tourist areas now around the country trying to get from A to B with traffic. Can you just imagine? But as I said, these kind of numbers are just plucked out from the sky, but they certainly make interesting reading. And you're seeing that it is coming from the government. They are the ones talking about maybe maybe with the election coming up, they're thinking this will sound good and, you know, attract voters. I have absolutely no idea. But to me, it is definitely... um. Yeah, just pie in the sky, let's be honest. But guys, again, back to you. What do you think about it? Do you think these numbers are even realistic? Do you think they're reachable? I'd love to know your opinion down in that comment section, as always, guys. And moving along to another story, which I I thought was quite interesting. The Revenue Department to Tax YouTubers, Online Vendors and Influencers. YouTubers, social media influencers, and online vendors are to be taxed on advertising revenue, sales of merchandise, or donations earned through their channels, according to Lawson Sengsanit, the Director General of the Revenue Department. He said that the Revenue Department is to include these these individuals in the tax system after it has succeeded in bringing over 200,000 people engaged in online businesses into the system, noting that individuals who have an income of a certain level also have a duty to pay taxes. He said that the department will, however, use technology to make it convenient and less complicated for those who have earnings from online businesses to pay taxes. Nevertheless, he said that the department will help ease the tax burden on businesses, which has been affected by the COVID-19 pandemic, as many are still struggling to survive, noting that this relief plan will run on a year-by-year basis. As for the 2023 fiscal year, the Revenue Department has set a target to collect 2.2 trillion baht in taxes, with collections in the first four months of the fiscal year since October exceeding the target by 60 billion baht due to increased corporate income and value-added taxes, mainly thanks to the recovery in the tourism sector. Now, to get money from YouTube, YouTubers, let's say, so let's give me as an example. So I don't make very much money from this and I certainly doubt I'd be ever paying tax because there's not much to be paying on it now, but nevertheless. Okay, so um, back in the heyday during the pandemic when, uh, you know, we had a lot more, let's say, viewers because of the topics that we we're covering in due to, you know, travel restrictions and whatnot, uh, taxes do come out based on certain countries. So if you have a certain amount of earnings from ads in, let's say, America, okay, They tax those ads and that money goes to the US government. So there's no reason why the Thai government can't do it. But I think the Thai government will realize a lot of the money isn't actually being made in Thailand. So I'm not sure how they plan to do this. Again, donations. I'm not sure how they plan to find out how much somebody has been earning. I mean, a lot of people are fairly anonymous on YouTube too. But big YouTubers, I can understand, yes, you're probably be able to track them down and, and probably be able to figure out how much they're earning. But smaller YouTube channels, I think, probably wouldn't be too affected by this. But again, social media influencers, these are people, I guess, who are using, you know, likes of TikTok and um, let's say Instagram and, and to, who have hundreds of thousands of followers, for example, who use that to, you know, make a living. Are they paying taxes here in Thailand? And not just foreigners, for example, but Thai people who have, if you go onto TikTok, there's a lot of uh, people on TikTok, Thai people here who are make, who have millions of followers and they're advertising left, right and center, but are they paying tax on it? And I guess this is where they're coming from. And their point is, these people are making money and not paying into the revenue system. But 
In saying about the revenue system, there is an awful lot of people in this country who do not pay taxes. And these are legitimate businesses all around the country who just get away with it. So if the government are looking to make more money, I suggest maybe they start looking at these businesses and ensuring that every business is kind of legally registered to pay tax. And that would be certainly a, a way to start, you know, to earn more revenue for this country and, and then be able to invest in more services for the people, I guess. Now, next, flight ban on disabled tourists investigated. Now, this story is actually going back a while, but the National Human Rights Commission has taken up a four-year-old case in which an airline refused boarding to an Israeli tourist using an electric wheelchair. The NHRC commissioner said the tourists had booked the flight from Chiang Mai to Suanabum Airport on March 4, 2019 and had sent information regarding his wheelchair battery 48 hours before the flight. The airline, which the NHRC did not name, denied his request when he got to Chiang Mai Airport, saying it did not have a policy that allowed passengers with electric wheelchairs to fly. Most types of wheelchair batteries are considered dangerous goods by the International Air Transport Association, which sets out rules that airlines and travellers must follow, especially related to storage if the battery must be removed. At the airport, the Israeli reportedly spoke with staff for an hour and a half, explaining the wheelchair's battery information during the check-in process before being informed that he was not allowed to fly. The tourist then applied for a refund, which was allegedly denied by the airline. He then reportedly attempted to board the plane, which resulted in an unspecified incident. This situation was considered a human rights violation as it showed carelessness that the airline had for passenger safety, Mr. Vassan said. What happened to the tourists is a possible violation of the rights of people with disabilities as written in the Constitution, the Convention of the Rights of Persons with Disabilities and the Empowerment of Persons with Disabilities Act, he said. Mr. Vazan said the NHRC would also look into the policies of Chiang Mai Airport related to services for people with disabilities. A report is expected in the next 90 days. I think actually this might be an interesting topic someday and we need to gather more information. But yes, disabled facilities in this country are not very good. I I think anybody who's been to this country could clearly see that's the case. And there certainly needs to be a vast increase and improvement in the facilities for disabled tourists and not even tourists, just people who live there, Thai citizens, hotels, let's say, because we talk about the tourist industry a lot here, hotels even, you know, the lack of a disabled room. Businesses, when you go into a restaurant, the lack of a disabled toilet for people to use you know i come from ireland ireland of course you have to have these nearly in every you know licensed premises and i believe this should be the case here in thailand but the idea that a man can't get on the flight because he has an electric wheelchair to me is appalling now i don't know what the national human rights council has been doing for the last four years and it took them four years to take up the case it's good they've taken up the case because it might be a positive change for things but to take four years strange one and finally a very very strange story but also a sad one in some ways ex-conscript kills himself after shooting on a bus in phuket two injured and this was this morning two people were injured when a male passenger fired two shots on a minibus on the phuket patalung route on friday morning before taking his own life the shooting happened at Kuan Din Deng curb on tep Kasatri road in wang district at 6 49 a.m The scene was about one kilometre from the Phuket bus terminal when the bus just departed. Police received a report of the shooting by a Thai man aged about 30 while he was still on the bus. According to witnesses, two gunshots were heard on the bus. Survivors rushed off the bus after the driver stopped the vehicle. 
The injured man and a woman were among nine passengers on board. Rescue workers sent, sent them to Mission Hospital Phuket. Bus driver Samyas Bukau, 42, told police that the gunman was sitting in the middle of the bus before he walked to the back and opened fire. The gunman then returned to a seat and appeared unfazed by the situation, the driver noted. The gunman remained on the bus as some 30 policemen were deployed to handle the incident. Roads within a kilometre radius of the scene were closed off and police were negotiating with the shooter for about four hours. After negotiating failed, officers fired tear gas into the vehicle to force the gunman out. However, he refused to surrender and shot himself dead around 11.10am, police said. According to local media, the gunman was a former conscript identified as Nawan Chunkiang, a native of Aulok district in Krabi province. Police were investigating the cause of the attack. Very sad story. I'm I'm not quite sure what was going on, but obviously the gentleman probably had some kind of mental issues, and that's another thing that's very poorly dealt with here in Thailand. But yeah, a sad issue today. I know a lot of people were in Phuket and just didn't know what was going on. The roads there were have been shut down all day. Traffic basically came to a standstill in Phuket. But nevertheless, that's it for today. So thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, we will see you in the next day or two. Have a lovely weekend and uh, take care and stay safe.